Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. I pray that you'd lead us, guide us, and direct us. Lord, I pray for anybody dealing doubt right now. Not just dealing with it, but dealing it, literally handing it out. I pray, Lord, that you would help redirect them, God, into a place of hope, into a place, God, Lord, where you can speak to them. Let the pessimists become the positive. And I pray, Lord, that we would start seeing and accepting and receiving all that you have for us. You're not a strange God. You're not a distant God. You're not some unknown figure. You're the Lord and creator of heaven and earth, and you have died for our sins, poured out the Holy Spirit, that we might welcome and host the Holy Spirit in our life. We can hear God, feel God, see God, move with God, and I thank you, God, that you are moving. God, that you are working and you are having your will and your way. I thank you that the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead is now alive in each and every one of us. And Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, as somebody's battling right now in their mind, I feel like they've got a mental illness and the Lord told me right now that he wants to heal that. I don't know if it's schizophrenia. I don't know if it's bipolar. I don't know. I can't I can't hear that part, but I know that there's a mental illness right now. And you don't need to look around. Just I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, and I want to pray for you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I, you, you didn't bring that to my attention so we could ignore it. You brought that to my attention that we might pray for it. And I pray right now for healing. And in the name of Jesus, healing in their mind, healing in their mind. Be done. Done. When they go home, they're going to they're gonna walk in through the threshold of their door and they're going to feel that their mind has been transformed. Their brain has been healed. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I, I, wanna, I normally read a scripture to you to start off the message, but I want to actually uh, start off the message with an unconventional story. It's different for sure. Uh, it's from Rocky. And so the movie Rocky has this scene where Rocky is wanting to marry the love of his life, right and he loves adrian he wants to marry her well paulie his soon-to-be brother-in-law uh, the brother of adrian says wait 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 why do you want to marry my sister and so he stops him and he says i, I want to marry her because i've got gaps and she's got gaps and together we come together and compliment see that's what we teach here at, at bridge church we teach that we're not here to complete each other we're here to complement one another that we get to bridge the gap of where we are versus where we can be. You have strengths that I don't. You have who have weaknesses that I have strengths, and we can't. But so doesn't God. In your weakness, come on, He is strong. So we have this opportunity that that we all have gaps in our life, where we've been, where we are, and where we are to where we're going. We all have gaps in our life. But the Lord brought me here today to teach and to speak on how to bridge the gap on how to bring it together and make it a whole picture. Did you know that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace and peace more than a lack of, of yelling and war and chaos. Peace, the true definition of peace means to make whole. And so what, when, what he is called, that's why he's called the cornerstone too, is because he took what once was scattered and disconnected, what was once over here and over there, and he said, I'm gonna take the lost and I'm gonna bring them to the place of found. I'm gonna take the hurting and I'm gonna make them healed and I'm gonna bridge the gap. I'm gonna bridge the gap 
And so today, God is going to bridge the gap. Holy Spirit, bridge the gap today. Some people are standing in a place of doubt. Bridge the gap to their faith. I pray that somebody's lost, help them get found. Somebody's hurting, help them get healed. Somebody's disconnected, help them connect again. Somebody gave up, help them never throw the towel in again. God, wherever we are in our finances, in our family, in our friends, in our future, in our calling, God, whatever, Lord, we have in front of us, Lord, I help. I pray that you'd help us bridge the gap today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise one more time. You may be seated in this wonderful atmosphere and presence of God. Uh, uh, we are definitely an expressive church. So if you're new to Bridge Church, welcome uh, to Bridge Church. We're so thankful you're here, and, and we want to welcome you to our culture. Our culture is a loud culture that we know how to give a good Amen. hallelujah right there, buddy. Uh, we're ready to preach today then. And then we also take good notes. So I want you to break out your Bible and break out your notepad. And it's because we take what God is saying to us seriously. It's not so much that you're placing value in what I say, but hear me out. It's placing value in who you are. The reason you take notes is because you value who you are enough to know that when someone is speaking or trying to pour the word of God out in your life, know that you're valuable enough to write it down and remember it and make it a part of your life. Amen? Amen. So, so I want you to take good notes and I want you to follow along and I want you to go to Haggai. Yes, that is a book in the Bible. Haggai. And I'll give you 30 minutes to find it. <laughs> no, go. If you're, if you're in a paper Bible, like all good, healthy, holy people, um, I, I, you're going to go from Matthew and go to your left and go towards Haggai. If you're on that version app, it'll be really easy to find. Go to the Old Testament. You're going to go to Minor prophets, so it's going to be major and minor prophets. The only reason that there's a difference in major and minor is because how much they wrote. So major prophets are only called major, not because they're better, more holy, or have done more, but because they simply wrote more. And so minor prophets wrote less, That therefore that's the title of their category. Haggai is one of them. He only wrote two chapters, and I want to talk about multiple verses today. We'll see how far we get, uh, but I want to share with you and unpack these verses one by one and teach us not only uh, what the Word of God is saying for now, but for then, because where we're going is just as important as where we are today, and we need to know how to bridge the gap between where we are and where we're going. Sometimes we get lost in the gap. We get, we get confused and we get frustrated because we're not there yet, and we can't go back because we're too far from where we've come, right? But we're not close to where we're going. So we have to be able to bridge the gap in our faith and in our mind and in our heart and our life on how to move forward with our life. Now, before we do that, everybody who's a part of this Bridge Church, get those Bridge build uh, bridge the Gap envelopes out. And this is what I want to talk to you, just a quick little piece. Of course, we're looking for a bigger building. Look around you, three full services, wonderful day, awesome time. That's great. Those are great things. And we're preparing to, to buy a bigger property and building. And yes, we're looking at Camping World, and Lord willing, everything will keep moving forward. But what we want to do is pre pre be prepared for what the Lord is going to do. So it's just preparation. I don't want you to feel any pressure on this. I want you to feel pace, not even patience. Patience can some kind, sometimes be misconstrued as slow. I want you to see pace because God has a pace that he has graced you for. So God is gracing us to grow and be healthy because all healthy things grow. If it's not growing, it's not healthy. And so you have to, or as we grow, God will continue to favor us and keep us in that healthy position. But we're going to raise 500000 in five months. Now to some people, 
That sounds like a lot. To some people, that sounds like little. To God, that sounds like just another number. So what we need to do is just leave it in the Lord's hand. We're going to raise this at five months, and the Lord's going to do it. And I want you to pray about it. Just take these home and pray about uh, what you are called to do. Because I broke it down into giving units of people who are members of this church. And every giving household unit, it could be $60 a week, and we'll get this job done. Now, that seems like much to some, and it seems like little to others. That's why I said pray. Just take this home and pray over it, and let the Lord lead you and guide you, because uh, we're, again, not desperate. We're just believing that the Lord's going to prepare us. I'm not praying for a bigger blessing. I'm not even praying about the building. I'm praying, Lord, prepare us for what you have for us, and he'll show us, he'll direct us, and he'll guide us. So this is just a simple next step. I don't want to make a big deal of it. I'm really wanting to play this down. I want you to continue to tithe and give and do like you normally do, and then this is on top of that, and we're going to move forward, and we're going to believe that the Lord's going to take care of it. I'm not pressured, and I don't want you to be pressured either. I, I've been a part of enough churches that pressure people into giving. I, that's not how we lead. That's not how the Lord leads. And so I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit, hear God, and then make a decision, okay? So that's enough about that. All right, so let's go into Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, and let's just unpack this and see what God wants to say. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, and the word of the Lord came to Haggai to the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, oh, thank God, Pastor Landon didn't mess up any of those names. <laughs> Just kidding. No, that's not what God said. Thus speaks, <laughs> thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come that the, house, that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came again to Haggai the prophet, saying, it is, is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled or nice homes and this temple lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Number one, I want you to write this down. Bridge the gap is the title. Number two, it's just as far as your points go, consider your ways. I want you to write that down and think about that because I want us all to make this personal because nothing is powerful until it's personal. Don't listen to this message and think it's good for somebody else. Don't come to this church just to even kick tires and check it out and think that God didn't have you here on purpose. God does not do anything by coincidence or chance. You're here on purpose. And the Lord is saying, just consider your ways. Now, this could feel like a chastisement. And I said, Lord, this is not what I, I feel led. I, I, I feel like this is too much, too heavy. I don't want to sit here and point a finger down and, and belittle or berate or, or, or break down the people of God. And he said, Lane, that's not what we're trying to do. In fact, the very message that this is going to do is set somebody free and build them up. I need them to see that there are some gaps in their life and how I can bridge those gaps instead of them trying to work to bridge those gaps. I can can do it by my grace if they'll let me, but let me get there. If they consider their ways, we're going to work together on this because the priority, I want you to write this down. The priority is my job. The process is our job. The product is his job. The priority is my job. Where are my priorities? The process is our job, me working with the Lord and the product, the outcome is the Lord's. That's his. Uh, how it, that right, see, the Bible puts it in the New Testament, so you, you sow and you water and the Lord brings the harvest. And, and, and so we trust in the Lord that we're going to sow, we're going to be diligent, we're going to have our head up in the clouds and our hands to the plow, and the Lord will take care of the rest. So we consider our ways. Now let me paint a picture for you. Haggai is coming to the people of God after they were in captivity. Now they're in captivity quite a while. And when they came out of captivity, uh, they began to build houses. That was good. And they built farms. And they built businesses. And they did a good work. Say it was a good work. It was a good work. 
Slap somebody and say, this is good. <laughs> We're going to get good. But we have, it, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. that God wanted them to have the house built. And God wanted them to have the car and the, and the business and the family and all those good stuff. And grow the family. Grow the house. Grow those wonderful things and build those wonderful things. He, he, I know he wanted to. You want to know how I know he wanted them to have those good things? Because of how long he waited to give this word. Do you know how long he waited? So they came out of captivity. Or I'll, let's put it like this for more modern day terms. They came out of quarantine. Yep, and then when they came out of quarantine, he said, oh, let's give them some time to acclimate. Let's give them some time to readjust and build and grow. And, and how, many, how long do you think he waited before he said, hey, let's get the focus back on my house? How, a year, two, five, seven, 10, 15, how about 20 years? He waited 20 years to give this word of like, okay, I'll give you, talk about patience. Some people like to look at God in the Old Testament and say the God of the Old Testament is not the same God of the New Testament. All I see is patience in this chapter right here of God was gracious and patient. And I see the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You can't prove to me, no way could you prove to me that God is somehow different from one beginning to the end. God is the same God. He was patient. He waited 20 years to share that word. And he says, okay, here we go. Now I got a word for you. And so he came and he brought a word to them. And he said, consider your ways. And he was patient. He wanted them to have good stuff. It's okay to have good things. I'm just, I want you to re receive that, right? It's okay to have a nice house. It's okay to have a, a car that works. It's okay to have, because we don't subscribe. I want you to write these three words down if you've never heard them. We don't subscribe to a poverty doctrine where we control and tell God how he's going to bless us. No, God, that's too much. That's too nice. That's too pretty. That's not how we work. That's control and pride. And then we don't work over here in the prosperity doctrine either. The extremes of everybody ought to have something super nice and pretty and everything. And anything I want, I can just name it and claim it. And that should be mine. I want the boat, the house, the car. I want everything. We don't believe in that because that's not what scripture tells us. He does call us to prosper and he will cause us to be prosperous and very prosperous. But we don't cancel the word out. But we understand that we don't preach that extreme. Do you understand what I'm saying? The middle of the road is that God wants us to have good stuff. How do I know this? The third word is provision. We, start, we, we, walk, we work in and operate in a doctrine of provision. Why? Because the Bible says that he shall provide for all my needs according to his riches and glory. So I know that I don't operate in these extremes that God wants me to have good stuff. God wants me to have a good family. God wants me to have good friends. God wants me to have a good business. God wants me to have a good car. God wants me to have a good life. It, you know, I, we, we had a, a couple come into our church one time. They came in here. They were checking out and just seeing who we were. And they loved the worship. The worship was cool. And then they loved the preaching. They talked about how powerful and amazing. The, no, I'm just kidding. They were talking about the preaching. They loved the preaching. loved the word. And they said, our only problem with you. And I was like, great. This is exactly what I want to hear. And they said, the only problem we have with you is your bridge declaration. Remember the bridge declaration? I am a bridge builder. I am blessed to live my best, right? They said, we have a problem with I'm blessed to live my best. That's the problem they had. And I was like, really? I was like, then this ain't the church for you. Because they were like, God promised us we would have trials and tribulations and we would suffer much and we would go through all kinds of hell. And they're just nailing themselves up on the cross. And I'm like, look, Je Jesus died once for all. You don't need to nail yourself up there and suffer again. We're good without you trying to act like you're Jesus for us. You don't need to suffer again, die again, and just be in misery again just to prove everybody how holy you are. 
So we are called to live the abundant life, the blessed life, the good life. Why? Because I know that life will come with its ups and downs. You got to be stupid not to know that. We got life, so ups and downs, the rain uh, falls on the just and the unjust. We know all these things. But with me, I see a different perspective in Scripture that I'm not just going to look in misery. I'm going to look with hope knowing that I've got Jesus with me everywhere I go. And if the storm comes, I got God with me. If I got to climb a mountain, I got God with me. If I got to go down the valley and battle, I got God with me. And I can smile. I can hold my head up high. Why? Because I got God with me. And I can live my best no matter what I face because I'm reminded that when I face something, I'm reminded of who I am. That no matter what you face, you ought to remind yourself of who you are. No matter what you face. I'm going to say it again because somebody needs to write it down. You need to tweet it. You need to memorize this. You need, you, no matter what you face, you need to always not be reminded about your situation. Be reminded about who you are. And you'll always overcome. So we're reminded about that. Now let's go into this next piece. This is dangerous. It says this. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat and do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages gets paid, earns wages and puts it into a bag with holes. Somebody say, I got gaps. Yeah. Slap your neighbor and say, you got gaps. Yeah. We got holes. We got gaps. We got places. We got stuff that we can't fill. These are the gaps. And God said, look, there's a lot of busyness, but not a lot of product productivity. There's a lot going on but not a lot coming in. I'm doing a lot, and I feel like getting back very little. And God says, I, I want to talk to you about this busyness, these gaps, because you're living in a place where you're working hard, but you're not seeing a lot of fulfillment. You're, you're doing a lot, but not gaining very much. Your ROI is very low, and you need to check out and see like what's going on here. Now, before we talk about busy, let's just talk about the gaps. The gaps in here represent all the areas of life that you do a lot and still don't get a lot. Now, that may still be a disconnect for some of you, but let me make it very practical. You ever gone on a vacation? Come on, it's vacation season right now. We're going on vacation. You ever gone on a vacation that was so good you get back home and you start working again and you wish you were back on vacation? Right, because it wasn't enough. You went out on a vacation, and that vacation wasn't enough, and you come home to work only to work to go on another vacation. And then when you go on the vacation, you come home to work again. You just can't wait to go back on a, another vacation. And it's never enough, and it's this cycle of I'm doing a lot and getting very little. It's I'm, I'm going out, and I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm doing a lot, but I'm not getting a lot back in. And there's a gap in my life. There's holes in my back. Uh, let me make it real practical. How many got like six stimulus checks, a tax return, and you don't even know where that money is? <laughs> it got real quiet. Yeah. Well, all that money's gone. We don't even know where it's at, what happened to it. Some of you hopefully do, but we, we have these gaps. We have these holes in our life. We do a lot and we gain very little. We're, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. And that, that busy word is, is, a, is a key word for us because I don't think that many Christians are satanic. You know, let's just think about this. Because normally we like to blame it on the devil, don't we? <sighs> I would have come to church, 
but I decided to worship the devil. No, that's not how it worked. Like, they weren't choosing to be rebellious and just like, I'm going to worship Satan today. I'm going to go out there. Oh, the devil just called me and drew me into the bar and so the church. No, no, no. That's not, no, normally it's not, it's not even a pride thing. It's not like, oh, I'm just not going to church because I don't need church and you can love God without having a church, which is totally false. But I, can, I, I need to have this. No, no, it's not like prideful and arrogance and a total misdirection of scripture and misappropriation. It's usually just busy. It's usually just like, oh, I just got busy, right? We got out of quarantine and we just got, oh, it's just, you know. Okay, let me paint another picture here. Uh, so I, I, was, uh, I was deciding to do a landing moment here. I took a group of kids out to go to uh, hike and to go camp and all that. So we're camping and we ha- in Havasu and they have this huge, massive wall of a rock. goes up super high. And so we're camping down there and I'm in my 20s and the kids are like, Oh my gosh, it's so tall, it's so big. And they think I'm a hero. And when people think you're a hero, you kind of want to act like a hero. So I was like, yeah, yeah. You, you think that's big? I could climb that. And I was like, let's go climb this. So I went and Emily's like, no, you shouldn't climb it. That's way too high. That's way too steep. You've never climbed before. You don't even know anything about climbing. You shouldn't do this. And I was like, hun, I got this. I'm in my 20s. I'm athletic. Let's do this. <laughs> Which is like the excuse of every idiot. So like we're going, I'm just climbing. I'm going up there and I'm just like, I, I was like, I got it. I'm climbing all the way up there. And I start climbing and I get pretty high. I get so high. I'm like, okay, I could die. So I'm like very, very careful. And I'm going, and then I get to a point where literally, if you've ever climbed, there are points where you can't go back. If you go back, you'll fall. And so you can't go back anymore. And then going forward was super hard. So I had this ledge that I'm hanging onto by my fingernails, and I can see the next rock I've got to reach, but I'm out of reach, so I have to jump. Okay? So I like, but I could fall. This is over, okay? My wife is down there encouraging me. You have something to live for. You have a wife. You have a ministry. You better not die. And I'm like, I received that encouragement, honey. <laughs> and so I'm hanging on right here. And how many have ever had this moment where you're just, you, you did something you probably shouldn't have done. And you're like, Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I swear, I'll never do it again. I won't be an idiot. I'll be smart. And I'm like literally halfway crying. I'm like, they're going to have to air back me out of here. I'm not moving. So I'm freaking out right here and I'm holding on by like my fingernails. And then I decided to make the jump. Of course, I'm here and I climbed it and I'm, I won because I'm a champion. But so uh, <laughs> God got me out of it. But I, I heard all of this uh, during quarantine. I heard, God, if you'll just get us out of this quarantine, I won't miss church again. Oh, God, if you'll get me out of here, I won't miss. Well, if you open the doors again, God, I'll be faithful. Oh, if they'll give us our freedom back, God, I will worship you, praise you. And Yep, crickets. Oh, I got real quiet here. It was funny while I was climbing until we talked about. So what we had, when we had quarantine, we had we made all. Lord, if you'll do it, Lord, if you'll. And we made these, and God says, "Okay, let's see if you're real." And that's what the children of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt. He saved them. He got them healthy. They were building homes and houses and businesses again. And He says, "Hey guys, when are you going to come back? You made a promise that you would build my house. You would build my house when you got free. And it's been one year, two year, ten year, twenty years, twenty years, and you've neglected my house. And the reason you're in lack is because you're doing a lot of busy work." And you don't have me involved. And, and, and how many times have we made commitments on a ledge of decisions that we made that we shouldn't have made. And God got us out of it. And then we don't fulfill our end of the bargain. <laughs> I know I'm preaching. I don't care if you say amen or not. But this is, our, this is a walk with God that we can start saying, okay, Lord, I need to step up to my end. And I, I need to change some of my way. I need to consider my 
Come on, church. I need to consider my ways. I promised God some things. And God will get what's his. And, 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 we're, and so it's not so much, again, remember, it's not, it's not that we're choosing to be straight up demonic and not love God and not go to church. And people who are tuning in on right, right now, they're, they're, it's not that they chose to just totally be delivered of not com- coming in person. There's a lot of variables out there. I think sometimes we just get busy. And again, it's not Satan. Sometimes it's just soccer. I remember parents all through COVID, oh, I just wish the kids had something to do. I just wish our kids could go back to sports. I wish our kids had to. And then as soon as things opened back up, soccer became more important than church. Again, right? And it became this busyness of life. And it's just, okay. But God is trying to say, okay, I want to change some things. I want to bridge the gap here between your lack into my plenty. But I, I got to get your attention first. And so what does he say next? He says in verse 7, consider your ways. And then he says, go up to the mountains, bring wood, and build the temple. Somebody say build it. That I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of your, uh, you run to his own house. We've got a 1,000 homes getting ready to be built in, down there in Williams. Another 1,200 homes getting ready to be built in Timber Sky. How many churches are being put up for sale rather than growing, rather than thriving, rather than being built, rather than being glorified? How many salvations? We're talking about people moving to Flagstaff. I wish I had 100 people in here who could hear what I'm preaching that understand that we need to focus more on his house instead of our own houses. Come on, let's give God some praise right there if you believe in the Lord's house, that we're called to put his house first. We're called to, now we're, of course, we're the temple of God, which makes me think of something. If we're called to be the temple, called to be fulfilled, and yet sometimes we remain empty, I look back and hearken to that scripture that we just read. He said, you eat and eat and eat, and you're still what? You, you, you drink and you drink and you drink and you drink and drink, and you're still thirsty. Oh, you, we consume and we consume and we consume and we consume and we're still empty. And yet we, we scroll and 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 we scroll. And yet we've done, it's three in the morning, we're still scrolling, scrolling and Netflix and Netflix. And then we wake up empty and hollow. And God is saying, you are called to be the temple of the living God. If, you could, if I could get you to spend as much time on your salvation as you do on sin, we could change the world. But I need you to spend more time. I need you to spend more time with me. I need you to spend more time in prayer and worship. I want you to spend more time instead of scrolling. And you saw enough cat videos, you should be, rest, you should be laughing for the rest of your life. But you're still not happy. And we consume and we consume. We got 24 hours of information and 24 hours of ignorance because we consume, we consume, we consume, and we still live in lack. And we're the temple, and we're called to build his house. Glorify God. And people, when it comes to this, and we talk about building fun, and we talk about giving, and they're like, oh, pastor, I just don't know if I can, I don't know if I can tithe, you know? I mean, it's tight. I can afford the new iPhone 12, but man, tithing is just difficult right now. Giving is hard. Oh, well, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to pay for that. Oh, we can buy this, and we can buy, oh, you know, I know couples. I want you to, everybody look right at me, because I don't want you to think about anybody else. I, I, I know couples that they, uh, one spouse is not allowed to spend anything without permission. 
And the other spouse will always give the reason of like, hey, we don't have that. It's not in the budget. We don't have enough money. But then when they want something, oh, it's like a $20,000 purchase. It's like they go out and buy the biggest thing in the world. They didn't ask. They didn't talk about it. Because what? They'll make room and they'll find money for what they want. And what we have is we have relationship with God and we're telling God, I don't have enough. And God said, I got plenty. If we'll just work together, well, let's just work together in this. Have you ever had a relationship? Again, looking straight forward. Have you ever had a relationship or something that you invest so much into and yet get so little back? You pour into it and you become, you think you're the best friend and they're not the best friend back. You think you're the good spouse and they're not really the spouse they should be back. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? Is this good? This is, part of our, this is part of our daily life. I'm not preaching about something way up here in the clouds that can't be applicable to our life. This is something we walk through every day. We've got gaps in our life, in our marriages, in our finances, in our dreams, in our calling, in our future. And God is trying to bridge the gap for us. And he's saying, hey, look, you gotta, you got to consider your ways. Because before we talk about building it, we'll get to there and I'll close with that. But let me just talk to you about how he blew it away. God blew it away. Well, pastor, you can't tell me that. My God, you just said God is the God who blesses and gives. And God so loved the world, he gave. And no good gift will be withheld from his children. And the answers to the righteous are yes and amen. And God is going to give me good things and good gifts. That's not Jesus. Jesus isn't a Jesus who takes. He's a Jesus who gives. And the same God who gives is the same God who takes. We want to blame it on Satan. Again, right? Instead of calling it soccer, we're going to call. We want to blame it on Satan. We want to tell Satan, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil's after me again. Oh, the devil. He took it from me. He, 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 the devil robbed me again. Oh, no, no, no. He did. First of all, you got to remember who the devil is. The devil is one. He is not omnipresent. And to think that he has picked out of three, or no, sorry, seven, almost eight billion people in the world, he picked you to pick on? That's pretty prideful. The devil ain't picking on you. Sometimes the very thing that God gave you, you have idolized, and God said, I'll take it away. Because we got we to redefine some of our doctrinal truths about how we see God because we keep raising up believers to say, oh, God is this good God. God is a gracious God. God is a loving God. God is a giving God. And we forget to tell them God is also a God who is a just God. God is a God who steps out and will take away some things. He'll tell an Abraham to lay Isaac on an altar. He will tell Peter to lay his nets down. He will call us to take the very thing that he would love to bless us with right out of our hands because he'll blow it away. He'll blow it right out of our life. And as long as we neglect God's house, there'll always be things blown away in my house. Because God cannot bless your agenda when you neglect his assignment. I'm going to say it again for the back row. God cannot bless your agenda when you neglect his assignment. What did he call you to build? He wants you to have good stuff. But have we neglected his house? Have we neglected the temple? How much time do we spend building our body rather building his body? I know a lot of guys who work out. I know a lot of girls who do Pilates and yoga. They wouldn't miss a jazzercise moment for their life. They are faithful. They're 10 minutes early to work out and they are ready to work out. And then they stay a little bit after they get a sauna stretch and they go in the hot tub. They wouldn't, they, they are religious about it and they will work on their body seven days a week 
they won't work on his body. How much do we work on our own thing versus his thing? Because when you seek the thing, you'll always miss the kingdom. But when you seek the kingdom, these things shall be added unto you. Don't make the thing your God. And don't make busy your God. Get busy on his assignment. And when you're busy about his assignment, God will bless your agenda. God will bless whatever you want to do, whatever you touch. He said, whatever you touch, I'll bless. Why? Because he was speaking to a man who had put God as the priority of his life. And your harvest is directly connected to God being at the center. And if God is at the center, then you'll have a harvest in your life. Because the best version of your life is at the cross. The best version of your life, let me put it like this. The best version of your life begins at the crossroads of your beliefs and your behaviors. What I believe about God and what I practice, faith and works, what I put into works. My crossroads needs to be my beliefs in actions with my behavior. And then I need to put that into action and say, okay, God, your house comes first. Okay, God, my number one purpose in life, my purpose in life is a temple of the living God. My calling in life is to be a witness and change the world and expand the kingdom and to see miracles, signs and wonders and healings follow me. My job in life is a tax collector, a fisherman, a tent maker, fitness, writer, entrepreneur. God will bless your job when your priorities are in order. But your purpose, we got to get back to that. we got to get back to that place. Let me close with this. It says, I want you to go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Wait, 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 wait. In a couple of verses, he talks about a drought and a famine. He talks about all these issues. And he talks about how they're in lack and in want anyway. But he says, go up to the mountain and build, bring all the timber. You got all the supplies to build my house. What he was saying is, you've had all the resources you ever needed the whole time. You've, had, you've been, had a job. You've had a paycheck. You've had food. You've had water. You had everything you need. And you've never been in lack, yet you've denied my house. And the resources have never been amiss. They've always been there. But now I want you to take it down. I want you to go up to the mountain. Why? To change your perspective, because I need to go up and I need to get out of the busyness of life and I need to get my head in the clouds in a heavenly perspective and I need to pick my head up and whatever is good, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is righteous, whatever is just, whatever is fit, I want to fix my things on, my eyes on those things. So I go up and I collect the resources because the resources have always been there to build the house of the Lord and then come down and build his house. And he's talking to him in a time of famine and drought. And he says, okay, let's do this. Now, the interesting part is this. It's a, God never sends somebody by accident or by chance. I'm going to walk out here for a second because we're about to end. Don't worry, I don't bite. I, I, I feel like God wants to call us all into this wonderful, healthy walk with the Lord where he's going to bridge the gap between where we've been and where we've been dreaming, where we've been thinking about, what we've been feeling, what God has spoken to us, the vision. If God hasn't spoken a vision to you, I pray that you get a vision. What a terrible life that would be to live without any vision. Without vision, people perish. They dwell recklessly. We need vision. If you don't have vision, you lack everything you need to follow God. You, you need to first pray for vision, fresh vision from God. And when he calls us to bridge this gap of like, man, I want to I make the jump. I definitely want to live. 
I, I want to get out there, but I, I, God, will you meet me? God, I need your help. God, I need you to, how are you going to do this? He, he never sends somebody into the equation by accident or by chance. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not here by chance. Now look right back at him and say, it's not by coincidence you're here either. And if you didn't say that, I'm speaking directly to you right now. You need to change your ways. I hope that everybody understands this, that you are not here by chance, that you're not here by coincidence. You online, you're not tuning in by chance or by coincidence. God brought you here on purpose. God sent, why wouldn't he send Ezekiel, Isaiah, anybody of the other prophets, they've written more, they've done more. God, why didn't you send one of them? He sent Haggai. Why Haggai? This unknown, this little guy. Why Haggai? Because Haggai's very name means feast. And God literally sent the man whose name means feast to speak into a famine. And God is calling you out of the famine by saying, I'm, I'm going to speak feast into your life. Oh, give God some real praise if you receive that he's sending the right people. You're not here by chance. It's not by coincidence. God brought you into the right place at the right time to say, you know what? In the middle of your famine, I'm bringing the feast to speak to you. And now he's raising up the people of God and he's stirring the people of God to become part of that feast. And when the world says we're in lack, we're in want, we're in famine, we're in drought, it takes the people of God to step up and say, hey, the feast is coming. God's gonna bring the feast. God's gonna bring the harvest. But we got to bridge the gap. We got to get ready. We got to get ready. We got to get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Oh, come on, church. Come on, church. We got to get ready. We got to get ready. We got to get ready. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. If you don't stand, I'll just keep preaching. And let me just tell you, you're here by purpose. You're here right on time. And the Lord has said, I want you to evaluate your efforts. You've been doing a lot and haven't been gaining as much as you should. I want to help change the equation. And I want to help you. you. You've been trying to fix your family. You've been trying to fix your finances. You've been trying to fix Flagstaff. You've been trying to help change the world. You've been trying to take on these big dreams and issues and problems, all this stuff. There's, there's a goal in mind, and you've been trying to get there, and God says, look, let me help you in this equation. If you invite me into this equation, you put my house first and me at the center, I will cause everything you do to be blessed, and I'll bridge the gap. I'll plug the holes where it once was leaking out and, and you felt like, oh man. Did you know churches typically aren't great with retainment? And I've always wondered this. Okay, Lord, what, well, what do we do? Do we change who we are to fit people better? And I'm like, no, that's not it. That sounds bad. Because why? then I'm not faithful to God and what he called us to be. When people tell us, turn down the music, you're too loud, or y'all are too boisterous, or y'all are too passionate, or y'all are too happy, I'm like, oh, Lord, there's another church for you somewhere in Flagstaff. But what I, I feel like, the, no, that's, we can't change who we are. And I said, Lord, how do we get this? How do we, how do we retain? How do we help people? How do we guide people, direct people? How do we help people? How do we, how do we build this? How do we reach that? How do we bridge that gap? And God says, just put me first. Be faithful here, and I'll take care of there. You're, you're going to be faithful with me in the process. I'm going to take care of the end product. All I need you to do is be faithful to me. All I need you to do is be faithful to me. And when you're faithful to his assignment, he'll bless your agenda. 
I want to pray with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. I pray right now that you would speak to each and every one of your children, God, here and online. And I pray that you would, Lord, draw them not just into the house, but into relationship with you, God, into a relationship of discipleship with you, God, that they want to have that relationship, that they yearn for it, they long for it, God. And Lord, that they do it, whatever it takes, God, Lord, to put you first in their life. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I, I want you to just re remain still while I just talk to you for a second. At, at, towards the end of this chapter, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit stirred Haggai and a remnant of the people of God. But he was, said he was going to shake the world. Sometimes when there's something happening around us, we need, just need to simply understand whether being stirred or shaken, because if we're not where God's called us to be, we'll be shaken. But if we're in relationship and where God called us to be, we'll be stirred. So when the world starts being affected, all will be as stirred. When we hear how the Lord is calling us to do something great, all will be as stirred. It'll build up confidence and greatness and faithfulness. It'll, it'll draw all the good things to the surface. But if we're in the wrong position, we're in the wrong place, we will be shaken. And we don't need to be shaken in our faith and in our walk with God. We just need to step into the house, step into that right dimension, that right position, that right process with God and say, Lord, I'm right here with you. And I thank you for it. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for anybody who's been on their own agenda. God, I pray that they turn to your assignment. I pray, Lord, for anybody who's got gaps, that they would just simply focus even more, turn even more to your house and blessing your house and building your temple. Lord, I pray that they would turn so more, to, so much more to it. God, Lord, that you would bridge every gap that they need in their life. There's some holes, God, in their life, and you're going to take care of that, God, because they're putting your house first. And I thank you, God, for what you have done and what you're going to do. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if somebody wants to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today, and you want to dedicate your life to the Lord, all you need to do is believe in your heart and confess through your mouth and call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. And if that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus here, in person, or online, and if you were to die today, you would know I'm going to heaven. If that's you and you want to make sure that salvation has been granted and guaranteed in your life, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Yep, keep them up, that hand. Yeah, raise your hand, that hand in the back. Every hand raised and heart open here and online. And now I want with everybody under the sound of my voice to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I'm forever yours, and I am saved. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it. Amen. Let's give God some praise. Yeah. And guess what? The best part is you get to leave here full.
Amen. Well, we have our prayer team that's coming to the front. If you have made a spiritual decision, that can be, you know, salvation. That can be anything that Pastor Landon uh, talked about in his message today. And we, we got to pray together corporately. But if you would like to have someone specifically come into agreement with you, yeah. we want to make sure that you have that opportunity. So up here at the altar, our prayer team will be here. And then we're getting ready for our baptism yeah. service. And I think we have 16 people getting baptized. That's great. Praise the Lord. So that's amazing. Might, might even be a few more, you know. Scott might just dive in that tank. Right, Scott? We don't, we don't, we don't know. Anything can happen. It's Memorial Day weekend, people, you know. So uh, if you would like to, you know, go support Bridge Fam, we're going to exit out these doors, and we're getting ready to do that. And let's just pray this yeah, uh, declaration we'll together. together. Speak it together and have a beautiful weekend and be safe tomorrow. Yes. Amen. I, I am, am a bridge builder. builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, bridge. We are so glad that you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision today, whether that be dedicating your life to Christ for the first time or rededicating your life to Christ, email us at info at wearebridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you are joining our Bridge Church online family for the very first time, we have a special gift for you. Email us at info at wearebridge.church to share some information so we can get that gift out to you. We're so happy that you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. Make sure to stay connected because we are so much better together.